The NSA is watching you. I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! with my weekly Breaking the Sound Barrier podcast. Three targeted Americans, a career government intelligence official, a filmmaker and a hacker. None of these U.S. citizens was charged with a crime, but they have been tracked, surveilled, detained, sometimes at gunpoint, and interrogated with no access to a lawyer. Each remains resolute in standing up to the increasing government crackdown on dissent. The intelligence official, William Binney, he worked for almost 40 years at the secretive national security agency, the NSA, the U.S. spy agency that dwarfs the CIA. He was technical director of the NSA's World Geopolitical and Military Analysis Reporting Group. He describes his job. I was the technical director of that group uh, that basically looked at the world, so we looked at all the technical problems of. Uh uh, in, in the world and see how we could solve uh, collection analysis and reporting on uh, military and geopolitical issues uh, all around the world, every country in the world. So, so it was a rather large uh, technical problem to tackle, but uh, it—and uh, one of the largest uh, problems we thought we had was looking at the World Wide Web and all the uh, ballooning and mushrooming communications in the, in the, in the world. Uh, and, and our ability to deal with that was uh, diminishing over time, so I kind of referred to it as our, our inability to keep up with the rate of change. Throughout the 1990s, the NSA developed a massive eavesdropping system codenamed ThinThread, which, Binney says, maintained crucial protections on the privacy of U.S. citizens demanded by the U.S. Constitution. After 9-11, uh, all the wraps came off for NSA, and they decided to— uh, between the White House and NSA and CIA, they decided to uh, to eliminate the protection of U.S. citizens and and collect on uh, domestically. So they started collecting uh, from a commercial uh, the one commercial uh, uh, company that I know of that participated uh, provided uh, over 300, well, probably on the average about 320 million records of communications of a U.S. citizen to a U.S. citizen inside this country. As massive domestic spying became the norm, he resigned on October 31, 2001. Along with several other NSA officials, Binney reported his concerns to Congress and to the Department of Defense. Then, in 2007, as then-Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez was being questioned on Capitol Hill about the very domestic spying to which Binney objected, a dozen FBI agents charged into his house. I was in the shower. <laughs> I was uh, taking a shower, so my son answered the door, and they, of course, pushed him out of the way at gunpoint and uh, came running upstairs and uh, found me in the shower and came in and pointed a gun at me while I was, you know— Pointed a gun at your head? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Wanted to make sure I saw it and that I got, was uh, duly intimidated, I guess. William Binney, by the way, is a diabetic amputee. Three others were raided that morning. Again, William Binney. They basically separated us from—I was separated from my family. They took me on the back porch, um, and they started asking me questions. What they were really doing was retribution and intimidation, so we didn't go to the Judiciary Committee in the Senate and tell them, well, here's what Gonzalez didn't tell you, okay? That was what it was really all about. Binney was never charged with any crime. 
Now the filmmaker, Laura Poitras, an Academy Award-nominated documentary filmmaker whose recent films include My Country, My Country, about the U.S. occupation of Iraq, and The Oath, which was filmed in Yemen. Since 2006, Poitras has been detained and questioned at airports at least 40 times. She's had her computer and reporter's notebooks confiscated and presumably copied without a warrant. The most recent time, April 5th, she took notes during her detention. The agents told her to stop as they considered her pen a weapon. That's right. They said that my pen was a dangerous weapon, that my pen was a threat to them. And, and you know, I mean, in terms of the context, you have to understand that I'm surrounded by um, uh, border agents who are all carrying guns, and I'm taking out a whip, a, you know, a pen that, that they find threatening. I feel like I can't um, talk about the work that I do in my home, in my place of work, on my telephone, and sometimes in my country. So um, it's, it's the chilling effect is, is huge. The hacker, Jacob Applebaum, works as a computer security researcher for the nonprofit organization The Tour Project, that's TORproject.org, which is a free software package that allows people to browse the Internet anonymously, evading government surveillance. Tor was actually created by the U.S. Navy and is now developed and maintained by Applebaum and his colleagues. Tor is used by dissidents around the world to communicate over the Internet. It also serves as the main way that the controversial WikiLeaks website protects those who release documents to it. Applebaum has volunteered for WikiLeaks, leading to intense U.S. government surveillance. Applebaum spoke in place of Julian Assange, the WikiLeaks founder, at a conference called Hackers on Planet Earth, or HOPE, as people feared Assange would be arrested. Applebaum started his talk by saying, Hello to all my friends and fans in domestic and international surveillance. I'm here today because I believe that we can make a better world. Julian, unfortunately, can't make it because we don't live in that better world. Jacob Applebaum has been detained at least a dozen times at airports. The first time I was actually detained by the Immigration's Customs Enforcement, I was put into a special room where they frisked me, put me up against the wall. One guy cupped me in a particularly uncomfortable way. Another one held my wrists. They took my cell phone. They took my laptop, but they gave it back. They were a little surprised it didn't have a hard drive. I guess that threw them for a loop. And. Um, you know, then they interrogated me, denied me access to a lawyer, and when they did the interrogation, they had a member of the U.S. Army on American soil, and they refused to let me go. They they tried to, you know, you know, they tried their usual scare tactics. So they sort of implied that if I didn't make a deal with them, that I'd be sexually assaulted in prison. You know, which is the thing that they do these days, as a method of punitive punishment. And they, of course, suggested that would happen. This? Well, you know, they say, you know, computer hackers like to think they're all tough, but really when it comes down to it, you don't look like you're going to do so good in prison. They wanted to know about my political views. They wanted to know about my work in any capacity as a journalist, actually. Um, the notion that I could be in some way associated with Julian, they wanted basically to know Julian any Assange. Julian Assange, the one and only. And they wanted, they wanted essentially to ask me questions about the Iraq war, the Afghan war, what I thought politically. They didn't ask me anything about terrorism. They didn't ask me anything about smuggling or drugs or any of the customs things that you would expect customs to be doing. They didn't ask me if I had anything to declare about taxes, for example, or about importing things. They did it purely for political reasons and to intimidate me, denied me a lawyer. They gave me water but refused me a bathroom and to give you an idea about what they were doing. I asked William Binney if he believed the National Security Agency has copies of every email sent in the U.S. He replied, I believe they have most of them, yes. 
Benny said two U.S. senators, Ron Wyden of Oregon and Mark Udall of Colorado, have expressed concern, but they have not spoken out. As Benny says, they would lose their seats on the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Meanwhile, Congress is set to vote on the Cyber Intelligence Sharing and Protection Act, or CISPA. Proponents of Internet freedom are fighting the bill, which they say will legalize what the NSA is secretly doing already. Members of Congress, fond of quoting the country's founders, should recall these words of Benjamin Franklin before voting on CISPA. They who can give up essential liberty to obtain a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. I'm Amy Goodman with Dennis Moynihan. I always